Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. It's a Chevy power play. Now get over $8,600 total savings on a 2018 Chevy Silverado 1500 Crew Cab LT, plus an additional $2,500 in competitive owner cash. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and score. It's the two for Tuesday on NBC Sports Chicago. Top of the hour, Reynaldo Lopez has been outstanding this season, but he still doesn't have one in the W column. He'll look to change that when the White Sox open a two-game interleague series in the Steel City. Jason and Stoney have your call at 6 o'clock. Meanwhile, on NBC Sports Chicago, plus the Cubs and Bravos series ships to hot Atlanta. Hugh Darvish returns from the DL to face the National League-leading Braves. Cubs pregame live begins our coverage at 6. Len and J.D. have the call from Georgia at 6.30. Meanwhile, all the losses, the shutting down of young stars, and the minutes for campaign and crunch time have led to this very moment. It's NBA Draft Lottery Night. Can the Bulls parlay a 55-loss season into a top three pick? And is the season a failure if ping pong balls just don't bounce the Bulls' way? And welcome in to Sports Talk Live, presented by our great friends at the Chevy Silverado. If you had a good day, I'm David Kaplan. Panel for today's show from NBC Sports Chicago, NBCSportsChicago.com. He's our Bears insider. He's J.J. Stankovitz, our Bears pre- and post-host. You also catch him on the score at night. He is the one and only Lawrence Holmes. And we had a class to join up. You talk about a good-looking dude on the set. His name is Alex Maragos from NBC5. We just like to call you DJ's son. Because it's, DJ works here. It's nice to be back here from uh, intern to guest. I appreciate you inviting that. me today. You bet. Great to have you. All right, NBA draft lottery tonight. What's your guys' take? What's your thoughts? Is the Bulls, is it a failure if they don't get the ping pong ball to come up one, two, or three? No, it's a deep draft. There are enough guys that could slip down to six, seven, eight that the Bulls can be okay taking. Uh, I, I don't think it's a total failure. I mean, if they were to slip down to 10 or 12 or somewhere you know, in that range, yeah, it's a failure, but that's also a stroke of incredibly bad luck. Can you draft? I don't care where you draft. Right, Donovan Can Mitchell went 13. Look, look, at, look at what you got with Larry Markkinen. I mean, all those things, you can find players. Look at what Golden State has built, what they built with finding guys later in the draft. If your crew has done their work, then you should be all right no matter what the number is. Yeah, and I, I think we talked about it this morning, too. 18% chance of getting in that top three. I think all Bulls fans want that 1.8. They want to, with Derrick <laughs> Rose that one time, that that one chance they had getting the number one pick. But like Lawrence said, you know, if you can draft anywhere, it really shouldn't matter where the ping pong goes. Yeah, Utah fall. saw somebody sitting there at 13 and bam, grabbed Donovan Mitchell. And the lowest the Bulls, by the way, could slip to is eight. So we'll see where they end up. It's the biggest night of the Bulls season, so we threw a party. Let's head out to our draft lottery party at Weather Mark Tavern. We bring in the one and only Mr. NBA, Mark Shanowski. Mark, is it a failure in your mind because they were all in to, so, you know, quote-unquote tank this season if they're not in the top three? Well, it's totally out of your control right now, Cap. Obviously, a 5.3% chance of getting the number one overall pick, 183 to move into the top three. Those aren't the greatest of odds. Obviously, they beat the odds 10 years ago, a 1.7% chance. They cashed that into the first pick, which turned into Derrick Rose. That was a lot of fun for a few years, but unfortunately, Derrick got hurt and never could recover from uh, all the series of knee injuries. But in terms of this draft, 
really loved DeAndre Ayton at the top, a seven-footer who actually played power forward most of uh, his freshman season at Arizona. And this is a versatile big who really fits well in today's game. He can protect the rim. He can run the floor. He can step out to the three-point line and knock down shots. If somehow they beat the odds and get the first pick, you plug DeAndre Ayton next to Lowry Markkinen and their backcourt of Dunn and Levine, you got something going. You've really accelerated the rebuild. But even if they stay at six or if they drop down to seven, I've been trumpeting Mikel Bridges throughout the draft process, a 6-7 forward from Villanova, a couple of national titles with the Wildcats. He's a guy with a 7-2 wingspan who can really defend at a couple of different positions. I think he would also be a good addition to their starting five. But when you've had gone through a season like the Bulls have gone through, you certainly would love that opportunity to move into the top three and maybe get a franchise-changing talent. Do you feel like there's a position of need that the Bulls have to try and identify whether that's a front court guy, a rim protector, or a point guard, or just add talent doesn't matter. I think their biggest need right now, Cap, is that wing position, the small forward spot. Last year, Denzel Valentine was starting at that spot for a good part of the season, and then Justin Holiday moved over to the small forward spot when Zach Levine returned from his ACL rehab. But I think they would like to upgrade both the athleticism and the defensive capability at that spot. And, you know, if they do end up taking Michael Porter at number six, he's a guy that at 6'10 might have some defensive issues at the small forward position. But because he's such a good offensive player, I know a lot of Bulls fans have rallied behind the idea of plugging in Michael Porter next to Lowry Markkinen. But if you get a small forward who can defend, who can knock down the three ball, that's so important in today's game. I mean, if you're watching the playoffs right now, you're seeing the way teams like Golden State who can switch on just about everything with like-sized players – that's the way the league is going. So even though I would love to plug a traditional center like Aiton into the middle of this Bulls rebuild, you know, if they don't get the first pick, they're going to get somebody really good wherever they're, they end up picking, whether it's two, whether it's six, whether it's eight. You know, I think they could get McCall Bridges at eight. So I, I'm not going to be panic-stricken if somehow the, the, lot, the odds don't go with them and they drop a spot or two in the lottery because I think right now Pax in his uh, season-ending news conference really – Sounded like he was talking about Mikael Bridges when I, he identified their biggest need, and that is a wing player who can defend, who's athletic, who can fit into Fred Hoiberg's system. How far away is this team from being, I'm not saying competing with Golden State, to say, hey, man, they made the seventh or eighth spot and they made the playoffs. Is that two years away? Is that next year? I've heard some people say next year they could be a playoff contender. Well, I think the Eastern Conference is really improving a lot, Cap. I mean, you know, we're seeing what Boston did in that first game against Cleveland without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. They're going to get those players back in their lineup. Philadelphia is going to be dangerous, and they have cap space. I mean, that's a team on the rise. And I also like the roster in Milwaukee, even though they bowed out in the first round. They did take the Celtics to seven games. They're courting Mike Budenholzer potentially as their new head coach, and I think he would bring in a system that might allow some of the talent on that roster to flourish. So, you know, trying to move up from where the Bulls were as a 27-win team just to compete for the seventh or eighth seed in the East next season, I think it'd be very difficult. I think right now they'll probably have an incremental improvement, maybe somewhere around the 35 victory mark. And then hopefully in, tw- in next summer of 2019, they're going to have ample cap space. Hopefully they're very aggressive in the free agent market and add a bona fide all-star to this group. Then you can make the big jump that season. All right, Mark, enjoy the party, buddy. Have fun. Yeah, we're at, I just want to let everybody know who's watching your show, Cap. We're at the Weathermark Tavern, 1503 South Michigan. Some of our loyal followers have already showed up. 
We got drink specials going on. Uh, plenty of fun that's going to be out here. We've got some giveaways going on. So if you want to watch the lottery and enjoy it with some diehard Bulls fans, come on out. Plenty of time and plenty of room for you. All right. My kids live two blocks away. They're coming down. I told them Mark's buying, okay? <laughs> All right. Sounds good, Cap. All right. We'll see you. There he is, Mark Shinovsky, Mr. NBA. So I ask you, Alex, do you think that this season, do you like that a team picked the lane and is tanking and saying we got to get younger? Some people don't like that whole concept. I think it's certainly more realistic with the fans. I think a lot of fans will look at what happens at the NBA and they say, come on, we know what happens if a guy, a young guy, especially not that far towards the end of the season, needs rest. You know, the fans can see right through that stuff, and I think they appreciate that reality. I don't know if they're going to need to do something with the rules eventually, if the association is going to need to look at that, but more and more teams are really starting to do it when teams eventually have success after they tank. And we saw the league fine one team for being very um, not being creative with the way that they're tanking. Well, well their owner came out and said, well, we we're need tanking. to lose. Right. Yeah. right. You know, we're, we're going to tank and we're going to lose. This is what they needed to do. They picked a direction. I, I'm okay with this in theory. In practice, it's difficult. It's difficult for fans to go to games, to spend money. It's not like they're rebating those tickets when you go to professional games now because your team's in tank mode. I get why it's difficult for people, but I do think that for once, it feels like the Bulls under Paxson kind of have the right thing going. Yeah, they've picked the lane. By the way, there's our Ankin uh, Law Sports Talk Live poll question, NBCSportsChicago.com slash vote. Is this season a failure if the Bulls don't get a top three pick right now? 63% of you, now 69, are saying, oh, yes, but, it was. But, I disagree with yeah. that. I mean, how would they? But, no, but <laughs> the, you, you pick this lane not to get a top three pick, but to get a good pick that you can use to draft a good player. The, the worst spot you can be in is, like, the Detroit Pistons, who are constantly, like, the – what, like the 14th team in the NBA? That's a terrible place to be. You don't ever want to be in that spot. You pick a direction and you stick with it. And if you don't get a top three pick, so what? It's a deep draft. You could still get Michael Porter Jr. You just have to do a better job yeah, evaluating exactly. like who's in the said. draft. Yeah. That's it. That's the, the biggest point. And that's where I think a lot of Bulls fans, like they probably do have some questions. Do you trust this administration to get it right? right. Now, I would say that if you look at what they've done over the last year, there's some promising things there. I loved Chris Dunn coming out of college. I had the chance to call a bunch of his games against DePaul, and it looks like Fred was able to get a lot out of him. Larry Marketing looks like he's an NBA player. Now, the Zach Levine thing they're going to have to figure out, and maybe it was just a guy testing out his leg while you're in a tank year. But can you draft? Do I trust you to talent evaluate? That's what it's about. No matter if you're totally drafting agree. six or 13th or 22nd, find a player. That's what you're paid to do. That's what this whole exercise is about. I see Pax and Gar at all sorts of college basketball games throughout the year. They're looking at some of the best players in the country. Find the one that fits the system that you want Fred to run. If they can do something that's going to be half or three quarters as good as Lowry turned out, depending on where they fall with the ping pong balls tonight, I think that might buy him a little bit of time and get him some wins next year. It would year. just be Lowry really turned out great. Really cool if they were to get even a top three, but if they were to win the lottery tonight, I mean, <laughs> Hilarious. would the rumors start up again? Oh, about my what? God. I said today to frozen somebody, envelope. I hope there's a yeah. frozen <laughs> ball in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, you Darvish is back. He starts for the Cubbies tonight in Atlanta. So now that he feels all better, will he make it through the fifth inning? 
crank up the heat and turn on STL. On NBC Sports Chicago, host David Kaplan brings his no-nonsense opinion to the table in a half hour on the topics that are trending with our teams. We got the most mismanaged basketball team no, no. in the history of the no. world. Which franchise made the gutsiest draft day move? I think Pac wanted to do this and he finally got his way. Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. Weeknights at 6 on NBC Sports Chicago. All right, that guy goes to the post looking for his first win tonight in a Cubs uniform. He says he feels all better. He comes back from the DL after para-influenza and says he's ready to roll. Jed Hoyer told me this morning he is not starting tonight over yesterday because they didn't want him to get booed. He said that's just the way everything worked out. Do you believe that, J.J.? Yeah, I, I think I believe that. They... You, the, the game yesterday, okay, okay if he's going to get booed then, and that's what you're worried about, then you shouldn't have signed him to that contract in the first place because if he doesn't have the mental fortitude to handle getting booed at home, then why do you give him all that money? I, so I don't, I don't really buy that. Yeah, I, I, I would buy that uh, they didn't take him out for that reason because it's too early and the problems he had are not so severe that I would put more stock into that explanation. I think, you know, he's had some huge struggles definitely on the mound and we're looking for him to produce a little bit more, but I still buy that it's more physical than mental at this point. I don't think that Jed would tell you if that is what they did. I agree. I'm always a little bit skeptical. <laughs> I am looking forward to watching them, and it looks like from you know what I'm hearing, there's some arm slot stuff that they've been working on, and so his delivery is going to or be – Or the kick or something Yeah. you're also talking about. Because, I mean, this is a guy that, that – here's my issue, and I've talked to everyone I've had on my show that, that is around the Cubs. I've talked about this. When you have a guy who can throw seven pitches, is it better for that guy to focus on – three pitches or two pitches. And in the case of you, Darvish, one pitch. Can you command your fastball? That's been his biggest problem. Because if, if he can command his fastball, all the other stuff is going to be able to work off of it. Until then, he's I don't know if he's any good to anybody. If you can't do fastball command, you're going to get hit or you're going to walk people. He definitely looks like he's healthy. I saw him strike out Arenado at 97. Yeah, his velocity is fine. Yeah, yeah. Velo is yeah. fine. It's velo is great, but but he might need to take a couple mile, miles per hour off to locate to locate it. Agreed. Absolutely, and and a 94 mile per hour fastball where you want it is going to be just as effective as a 97 where you don't. But Cap, you know this guys with arm slot issues where you're just trying to find it. Once you find it and it clicks, you're good. And it may take a while for it to click, and it may be super frustrating when he's giving up home runs because he can't locate that fastball. As soon as he gets that arm slot down, he should be, all right. he should be fine. All right, let's talk about Yohan Moncada, activated off of the disabled list. Moncada is back. I think this is – look, the White Sox are going nowhere. But these are the things that you want to watch. I would think, Alex, as a Sox fan, you would look and go – Okay, let me see what Moncada does. Let me see what Reynaldo Lopez does. Tonight, yeah. Let me see what Giolito does. Those are the questions. Absolutely, and Sox fans who are getting used to this rebuild know the bigger names, some of whom are not even in the majors yet as they yep. work their way up. Moncada, probably at the top of that list of the youngest players, was really exciting last year, flashes this year before he got hurt. I'm a little concerned about a hamstring because that can come back again and again. It's a nagging yep. injury. We're only in mid-May. But he is one of the reasons to watch, and I hope he comes back strong in this first game. I want the White Sox to play better baseball. I'm not talking <laughs> yeah, about winning baseball. Because, I, I mean, I, I get what they're doing. Everyone gets what they're doing. But the baseball that they've played has been sloppy and, and undisciplined. And I, I want to see it more. Ricky Renteria has already had to have a couple of conversations with Leore Garcia. That's too many. 
That's too many. And I get where they're at in their timeline right now, but they have looked, they haven't, they've looked like a 4A team. And I know that that's part of this, but you can still be bad and look okay right. being bad. Right. You cannot have the talent, but you have to have the fundamentals. And just the, the mistakes that they're making are not becoming of a major league team. And, and that's something that it seems like they've been addressing and will continue to address. But that, I think, among Sox fans' frustration, should be right near the top. All right, let's talk about Robinson Cano. He is suspended 80 games. Broke his hand over the weekend, but he'll be out a lot longer than that. 80 games for using a banned substance, a diuretic, which is usually used as a masking agent for performance-enhancing drugs. How much does this taint his legacy? I mean, he's a really, really good player. Uh, where, where is he with this now? This is bad. I mean, as far as second basemen go, he's up there all time. I think he's second in home runs to Jeff Kent all time and definitely had a great career, won a championship with New York. This really hurts because any kind of even suspected stain with PEDs doesn't go well for a career, you know, uh, legacy. And I know he's got some few years to play left, but definitely not Seems good. to work out well, pretty, pretty well for David Ortiz. David he Ortiz. Was, wasn't he yeah. in the Mitchell report? He was, yeah, wasn't supposed to be leaked and then right. was. And he's Andy Pettit. I mean, look, I, I don't, Roberts, I don't, I don't personally care when a guy gets suspended. It hurts the team. It's a selfish move. But for his legacy, I don't care. Everyone's been taking certain supplements and the line between what's legal and what's banned maybe isn't that thin. I, I agree. And, and uh, Joe Cowley said this a long time ago, and it's always stuck with me when it comes to the, the concept of the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. Right. And ever since he said that to me, it just kind of clicked that it doesn't bother me. But it may bother those guys. And, I mean, yeah. you sat down and talked with Sammy. I would imagine it bothers him that with all the numbers that he put up, having three years where he hit 60 home runs or more, the fact that he, when his name comes up, he's not even a thought right. about going to the Hall of Fame. And Cano is already at the threshold. It, the threshold right. is usually a 60 war, and he's a 64 war right now in his career. And he's probably not going to go because of something like this. I, I also think that you're right, JJ. It's very selfish, and it's a little bit silly. And when you hear guys with the excuses, oh, why was he given this diuretic? Well, MLB told no. you what the deal was. No. We know what that diuretic does. Yeah. It's not right. an excuse anymore. We, we know what you're trying to do. You're trying to mask it. And he dropped his appeal. Now, I don't know if he is it. Can he do that? Can he drop the appeal so that he serves suspension while he would have been out with the broken hand? I'm curious on what MLB is going to do with that. That's a great question. Hmm. That is a great. I'm not question. sure about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that one. Now, has he had he been put not yet put on the disabled list and he started serving? And then they said, "Oh, you got a broken hand, and now you're going on the disabled list." Do they then say, "Well, now you can't serve the punishment"? There's some creative ways yeah. to maybe Yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how, how MLB handles that. Speaking from an NFL perspective, I know Jarrell Freeman would have been suspended for the first eight games of 2018 had he... Multiple violations. Well, and that, yeah. Well, then he came back and it would have had the two-year one, two now that that came out. But I, it would have started once he kind of came off IR. Well, MLB's got bigger fish to fry. They're trying yeah. to keep people from right. wearing black shoes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I want Joe Torre to stop me with my black shoes on. That's what I want. Yeah, go. stop he, me. I'm Team Zobris. Zorilla. He is going to find you. <laughs> Welcome to the NFL Rookies. Minicamp for the newest Bears are over. Now it's time to focus on OTAs. We've got J.J. and Lawrence, our Bears team. We we'll, might as well talk some football next on STL.
Crank up the heat and turn on STL. On NBC Sports Chicago, host David Kaplan brings his no-nonsense opinion to the table in a half hour on the topics that are trending with our teams. We got the most mismanaged basketball team no, no. in the history of no. the world. Which franchise made the gutsiest draft day move? I think Pac wanted to do this and he finally got his way. Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. Weeknights at 6 on NBC Sports Chicago. I'm ready for the pads. I'm ready for the, the football of letting these guys go. And then you get to the preseason and you really start, you know, molding that team, that personality of the team, what, we're, what we want to be as a team, both on and off the field, um, and, then, and then go. And so, uh, yeah, OTAs will be fun. And we're going to add a little bit to the playbook. But I'm really looking forward to training camp. All right, Bears OTAs begin tomorrow. So tell us what you expect to see. This guy's fired up. I like this guy. I hope he doesn't change. But what do you expect this next few days? I just want to see where the leadership kind of continues to come from. You know, obviously Trubisky's got to be one of those guys. But who kind of steps up into that role? Is it a second-year guy? Is it Roquan Smith? Is it, you know, does Danny Trevathan and Akeem Hicks, do they kind of continue to lead the defense? That's what I'm looking for. But Cap, you and I were talking about it at the break. Matt Nagy's passion for the Bears is really genuine. It comes across as so genuine that he's so excited to be the coach of the Bears and to be the leader of a team that he really believes in. You, you, his first press conference was great. He impressed everyone with that. But ever since that, it's been that same tone, that same great excitement. Energy. That energy, I think, really permeates this entire team. I want to see Anthony Miller. I like tough guy receivers. I really do. And I know that, look, it's May. And so I try not to put too much into anything I see or hear about a football team in May. But I'm going up there tomorrow. I'm kind of excited about – I want to see, you know, what J.J.'s talking about, the, the concept of leadership. How crisply do they get through practice? Mm-hmm. How many times are there starts and stops? That sort of thing. Those are the things where I'm going to see, like, how quickly they can get stuff installed. And once we get to July, how comfortable the practices look. And these are kind of the first steps towards getting that done. Yeah, you're not going to see a lot of the physical, physical stuff till the summer. So what you can try to pick apart right now is that mental stuff. Are they enjoying being around each other? Are they having chemistry, camaraderie? Are they talking to one another? Are the veterans helping the rookie players? Those are the things you could try to pick apart and speculate about now before things really get going this summer. And then we can get into the I'm just excited. I feel like for the first time they're out of the dark ages, you know? It's hard to find a reason to be to question this right now like we're we're still so early in the process but if you were trying to find a reason to be pessimistic you'd have to be really digging deep into this team well, and I think saying, you're just being negative right you're just then be that. then you're just a negative person about this team everything else that comes out of this team is positive how can I mean how can you not love picking a 20 year old interior offensive lineman to pair with an offensive line coach who just coached the six and nine overall picks in the draft and never had a left tackle who wasn't a first-round pick in his last stop. How can you not be excited about that? This is just an exciting time with the Bears. But it's exciting in 32 places. Every place right now is excited about what they are. I still have questions, and I... You, I, you should have questions, everybody but should, you should yeah. also be excited. Yeah. I, I am excited. I think that their offseason has been since the moment they fired John Fox. I think that Ryan Pace has done a great job. Guys, thank you for being here. Don't be a stranger. Great to have you guys all here. That's a wrap for Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado. We've got Cubs pregame coming up on our Plus channel, White Sox baseball on the big channel. We'll see you tomorrow here.